Hey everyone, you're listening to Topping the Curve, and this is your host, Sephora Gray. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Topping the Curve. In this episode, we continue our boot camp series for OCI. So today I will be doing another solo episode and I will be talking about the pre-OCI process. So if you listen to our first episode in the boot camp series, you will have heard that I did not do OCI, uh, but I do understand the process and I'm pretty familiar with it. And having gone through the pre-OCI process, I do have a lot of thoughts that I'm going to be sharing with you guys today about kind of how to prepare yourself to go into OCI, but also to try to secure some offers before you get into OCI, which I think is probably one of the best things that you can do. Um, I'm not saying that it's easy or going to be easy. It does require a lot of legwork, legwork, but I absolutely think it's worth it. So with that being said, um, I feel like I don't need to introduce myself, but um, you guys should, should really know me by now. Um, but before OCI, I'll just talk about what I did. So I finished up my 1L summer um, at my law firm. I finished up late July. And then I remember in August, that was about when I started to reach out to firms. So essentially here, what I did was I created a list. So I started out with gathering about 10 to 15 firms that I was interested in. So that's the first step that you want to do. And in creating that list, you just want to think about, okay, what are you looking for? Do you think you want to do corporate, transactional, or litigation work? Do you think you want to do IP work? Uh, do you think you want to do white collar? Think about that. And it's okay if you if you don't really know, but I suspect at this point when you're getting ready to go into OCI, you might have an idea. So just keep that in mind. So when you're going through, you know, and I, you have an idea of what you want, of what you want to, of the kind of work you want to do at the firm. The next thing that you want to look at is location. So New York, DC, Chicago, LA, Texas, where do you want to be? Do you want to go back home, wherever that is? Do you want to work in the same state or city that your school is located? That plays a big part. And the reason I say that plays a big part is because a lot of firms will want you to choose one location to apply to. And I personally think it's a good idea to pick one location and not to double up on locations for firms unless at a later date in the process, and I guess I'll I'll get to this later, but at a later date, once you choose a firm, you can then ask them if you could split between two of their offices. But originally you might want to choose just one location for a firm. And that's because you want to be able to show that firm that you are interested in that firm, you are interested in that location, and you are planning to stay in that location. Okay, so another thing that you might want to take a look at is what benefits do the firm offer. And I don't just mean pay, but I mean, if you're a woman, what's your their maternity leave like? What is the secondary parent uh, maternity? I guess it wouldn't be maternity in that case. I mean, I guess it could be. Uh, but what's the co-spouse uh, leave like? What is, how many vacation days do you get? Different things like that. And you can find that information on Vault. And then the other thing that I looked at was I looked at how many Black associates and partners were at the firm. That mattered to me. What were their diversity numbers like? Again, that can be found on Vault. And so once you're gathering all of that information together and you're figuring out what's important to you and you're creating that list, you want to keep it all together on an Excel spreadsheet. 
And what I did on my spreadsheet was I created a chart and I assigned every firm a number, um, or I guess every aspect. So the practice area, the location, um, the benefits, the black partners, I gave it a number, I believe one through five, and I ranked those different uh, pieces differently. So to try and best explain it, say I have practice area, location, and then black partners. Okay, what's most important to me? Well, number one might be practice area. So that will be worth five points. Number two is probably black partner. So I'll make that worth another five points. But then let's say I'll do location. I'll be like, oh, okay, I'm I'm between like New York and DC. So then I'll give location like three points. And then when I'm going through, I'll rank the firms accordingly. So one firm, say they have a hundred black partners, that is probably not going to happen. But say a firm has a hundred black partners, they'll get five points because we're on a scale of one to five. And, but say another firm only has one black partner. Well, I would probably give them zero points. And so they get no points in that category. And so you do that for each and every firm for all of the, um, for all of the pieces that you think are important to you and things that you want to consider. And then at the end, you'll get a number, a ranking essentially for each and every firm. And you just wanna reorganize your Excel sheet, sort the data from highest to lowest. And that's kind of how I figured out the rankings of my firm. Uh, there was other things that I considered, like I considered work-life balance. I considered um, like the associates uh, satisfaction survey. A lot of these things though are kind of hard to measure. And I think will mainly come from you talking to different associates at the firm um, and then kind of going off that. But the more, the things that are easier to measure, measure are what's going to be easiest in terms of setting up your chart. So once I ranked those 10 to 15 firms, I kind of took a step back and looked at my list again and I might've moved stuff around. So one thing that you want to do is you want to go on chambers and partners and you want to use the, um, they have like this list where you can search by location and practice area. So if you go on there and you search by location and practice area, I can actually do it right now. So I actually went ahead and pulled it up so I can just explain it to you guys as I'm doing it. But if you go on chambers and partners, you can search their ranking guide and it gives you um, click on USA and then you type in the location you're looking for. So in my instance, I typed in USA, District of Columbia for DC and then practice area. I chose litigation, white collar crime and government. And then you will see, if you scroll down, you'll see the ranked departments and there it will give you the top firm. So you wanna look at that list. And this is what I did also when I was creating my Excel spreadsheet. So every firm ranked in that band one would get a five under the practice area of white collar crime on my list because band one is the top band. And you can see there the firms that are listed. So if a firm on my list was in band two, they would get a four on my ranking. If they were in band three, they would get a three and so on and so forth. And then you can just do that for all the practice areas you think you're interested in. And that way you can get an idea of what firm is ranked highly in the specific practice area you're interested in, in the location you are interested in. So you remember when I talked in my past episode about um, securing a job, a big law job, your one L summer, I mentioned that you shouldn't pay too much attention to the practice area rankings um, 
per location because all that mattered was getting a 1L job. Now for your 2L OCI, this is a lot, this matters a lot more because it's it's likely that this is going to be the place that you go after graduation, either there or your 1L firm. And so this is where you want to really pay attention to the rankings here in terms of location and practice area. So that's something that I definitely recommend you doing. And then once you've got that all set up, your list of 10 to 15, what I did from there was I created a shorter list. And so my short list was five to seven firms. And I first started out creating my short list one by using the rankings that I told you. So I just quite literally took the top seven that ranked the highest. But then I also said, okay, which of these firms on this list would I not go to over my 1L firm? Um, and this is, of course, if you really enjoyed your 1L firm or a firm that you can really see yourself at. And any firm that I would not go to, even if they ranked higher doing that when I did my ranking system, if it was a firm that I would not go to over my 1L firm, I did not keep them on my short list. I just took them off because there's no point in me putting so much work into a firm I wouldn't even go to over my 1L firm, right? That's not the point of pre-OCI. And I just want to uh, reiterate that this is the pre-OCI process. And so you want to be as selective as possible. This isn't the actual OCI process. So that's why I removed those firms from the short list. So now you've got your short list of firms, your five to seven firms. The next step from there is to begin your outreach. And when I say outreach, this is when you are aiming to get some early offers. So your pre-OCI offers. Now you might hear from your career office or just other people we're not early recruiting. We don't do pre-OCI um, or anything like that. And while some firms genuinely do not do pre-OCI, I think the networking is still extremely important. Even for the firms that did not do pre-OCI, I still interviewed with them outside of OCI during the OCI time because I did not do OCI. And so that just goes to show you that even if a firm isn't going to give you an interview before OCI starts, you still might actually interview with them just because of your pre-OCI networking, which is why I think it's super important that you do it. So again, first thing you want to do is network. And putting in another plug here for the networking episode that I did because it's super important and it, it follows here um, pretty much to the T. But just very briefly, what you'll want to do here is first take a look at your short list of firms and then search your email box. Have you ever been in contact with anyone from that firm? Have you ever attended any of that firm's events? And if you have, one, been in contact with people from that firm or attended those, that firm's events, you'll want to reach out to those people that you were in contact with or that was at that event. And the purpose of this is because you want to you want to avoid starting up a new connection when you already have an old one at first. So make take advantage of the old connections that you've made. So the, what I did was I went back to my email box. And when I went back to my email box, I would find people that I met my 1L year and they were at the firms I was interested in. I would send them another email and I would just say, hey, um, you know, really interested in XYZ firm. I'm also interested in XYZ practice area. I was hoping that we could find some time to talk. Um, for me, of course, it was virtual. 
this coming time around, it probably still will be virtual, but you never know. Maybe someone will offer to meet in person if they're in the same location as you, but that's the first step that you want to do. And then if you are reaching out to people and you're finding that you're not getting a response, don't be discouraged. Or if you just don't have any old connections at any of the firms on your shortlist, this is when you're going to need to start new connections and just cold emailing. So there are a couple of ways that you can do this. Um, and I definitely had to do it for one or two firms that were on my list, but you're going to go to the firm website. And if you are black like me, I looked for black associates at the firm, black partners at the firm, and I would just cold email them and they were always happy to talk. So that's one way you can look for people in your affinity group. You can look for people you have things in common with. Another thing that I really recommend though is um, tailoring your search by school. So find alum who are at the firm who came to your school. They're going to be more likely to want to talk to you because they always want alum, more people from their school to come to the firm. And you're just going to grab those folks' emails off the website and then you're going to send them a code email saying, hey, you know, I'm. My name is Sephora. I'm a rising 3L at Georgetown Law School. I saw that you do this, XYZ. I'm interested in that and XYZ firm. And I would love to set up a time to talk in the next few days or weeks when you have time. Please let me know. Thank you. And send the email. And you know, you will get a response and you will get to talk to some people from the firm. And that's how you start building those connections. And the thing about it and why you want to do it is because. Whenever you're reaching out to talk to these associates and partners at the firm, they are telling the recruiting department. They're emailing the recruiting department saying, hey, this person reached out to me to talk. Or they're just forwarding your email. So always make sure you're professional in your email. And that's how recruiting keeps track of the people who are interested in the firm, who are interested in the associates, who are really putting in the work to get to know more about the firm. And if it's a firm that maybe you feel like you're not qualified for, maybe GPA-wise, or whatever else it may be. This is why it's especially important to do it because during OCI, they might not pick you out of the bunch if your GPA is not up there and you have not talked to anyone at the firm. And so this is a good way to get your foot in the door and kind of give yourself a chance where maybe your chances by just doing it through OCI would be very, very slim. So once you start talking to people from your short list of firms, you want to just keep reaching out to people. So I think what I did was I would email probably two to three people at once, um, wait for all of them to reply and set up those meetings and have those meetings before I would then email two to three more people. So, and I just did this literally August through maybe end of September. Um, and so I was probably talking to between, sometimes it would just be one person a week, but for the most part, I think it was two people a week. Um, maybe in a crazy week, it was three, if that's just how the schedule panned out. But everyone at my top firms, um, or every firm on my shortlist, I talked to at least two people from. And the max, I think one of the firms, I actually ended up talking to maybe four or five people. And so that firm actually was one of the first firms to give me an interview, an early interview. And they weren't interviewing when I got that interview. So um, again, that's just something that you want to keep in mind. And now when you're talking to these people, you don't want to ask them, hey, are you guys early interviewing? You don't want to ask them to pass along your stuff. I never did that. Um, 
and actually just ended up, you know, getting the interview because the recruiter emailed me. Um, but and sometimes though, these people will offer and if they offer, yeah, send them your stuff. So make sure your stuff is ready to go. Uh, another thing outside of kind of cold emailing is pay attention to if any of these firms have diversity positions open or diversity scholarships open, because those generally open before OCI begins and you can apply to those. So I remember one firm here in DC, one of the, um, one of the big law firms here in DC opened up their uh, diversity scholarship for 2L summer um, maybe on a Monday and I applied on a Tuesday and literally got an interview on a Wednesday. So just kind of be on top of that stuff, pay attention to when those firms, op- when those firms, um, applications open up to get notified, you can just go to the firm's website and look, they might have a date as to when they open or there, they will have something on there to where you can sign up for a listserv and get on the listserv so that you receive an email when the applications opened. And I think that's how I knew that that firm had opened up applications because I was on their listserv. Um, Another thing that you want to do is go to these firms events. And this is why I said you want to have a short list because you just simply cannot do this for 15 firms, um, especially not if you're working, but you wanna go to the firms event. So any event that you can, especially if it's virtual, I would show your face or, you know, show your name if it's on Zoom and your camera is off. Because again, recruiting is keeping track of those of those people who are attending their events. Um, and that's actually also how I got another interview. I was at an event and I had previously been in touch with people from that firm. And after the event, they emailed me and said, hey, um, I saw you were here. We're not really interviewing, but we would love to give you an interview. Um, and yeah, so there's a lot of different ways that it can happen. And I, you just never really know. So I think I did before OCI, I probably did six interviews, six or seven, maybe. I don't know. I would, I would have to count. Um, but those were literally the top firms on my short list. I think I actually only had five on my short list, five or six. And so I probably did all five or six of those interviews. And so I had no reason to do OCI because I had already interviewed with all the firms that I was interested in. And that is the sole reason why I did not do OCI because I had offers from all of the firms already. Um, And so that's why I think it's important to engage in pre-OCI. And we're in June, today's June 29th. Uh, We're about to start, um, we're about to enter July OCIs in August. Now is prime time. If you have not started, you need to get on it, like be emailing people today, because um, in order to fit in talking to people from each of the firms on your shortlist, you will, you'll need the month, especially if you are also working. So that's just something that I think that you should think about and consider. So the next thing that I will say is in terms of thinking about pre-OCI, you know, don't go into it expecting to get an interview. You can go into it hoping to get an interview. I mean, that's definitely what I was doing, you know, and I I think the firms know that's kind of what's going on. And remember the, the firms themselves, they're also competing. Um, they're competing for you. They're competing for candidates. They're competing to get more people at their firms. And so those are all things you want to keep in mind, but you really do want to be genuine. So you are, yes, trying to get an interview, but you're also trying to feel these firms out. And so I think I mentioned earlier talking about like work-life balance and associate satisfaction. 
when you're having these conversations, you should really think about and ask questions of the associates of, you know, what do they think about the firm? And I think one question that I think is really important that I always, that I always asked was, you know, um, do you see yourself staying at the firm long-term? And the reason I asked that question is, isn't because I want to know if they're planning to leave the firm or I care if they're leaving the firm. I'm asking the question because I want to know, I want to get an understanding of how they feel about the firm. So generally, I will say that one answer I got, somebody said, um, I'm not sure what I want to do long term. And I'm not sure if, you know, I do or don't want to go into government. But I can say that if I'm going to ever work in a big law firm, this is the firm I'm going to be at. And that speaks volumes about the firm. So they're not saying they're going to try and stay and make partner, but they are saying that they genuinely enjoy the work at the firm and they're happy there. And that's important. And as you ask more people questions about this, you'll really get a sense for what the firm is like and how people feel about the firm and if they're happy or if they're just another cog in the machine. And I think that's really important. And it, that's something that you should pay attention to. And ultimately, when I was deciding between firms, that's something that really helped me make a decision. Um, and then I, I'm kind of stepping a little bit away from the pre-OCI process here, but I think it does apply um, to OCI generally when you are choosing firms and something that, especially as a person of color, a Black woman in particular, I think it's important to think about, if I go to this firm, will someone have my back? Um, and again, this is something we talked about in the networking episode. We talked about sponsorship. Will someone at this firm have my back? Will someone be pulling for me to get good cases? Will someone be um, ensuring that I'm doing good work, getting good feedback? And that's something that you want to think about when you're doing interviews, whether it be during OCI or pre-OCI, because you don't want to go to a firm where essentially you're not going to be able to have any upward mobility, whether or not you want to be a partner. And so I think that's very important. And that's another question that I think is, helpful to ask, you know, ask about the firm's mentorship program, ask what their training is like, different things like that, and kind of give yourself an idea of what your life at the firm would be like. And the reason I say that I think it's important to ask these questions, particularly in pre-OCI, but also, also in OCI, because you have nothing to lose, right? It's pre-OCI. You, you should and can be selective. During OCI, it, it might be a little different. I still think you should ask those questions. But during OCI, you do need to wait until you have some offers in hand, maybe before um, all of these considerations come into play, of course, because you need to have more than one offer in to, to be differentiating. But this is the pre-OCI process. So understand what you are going into and understand what you want. So I'll now just move into very briefly, um, the set of final five questions now. So I've changed it to five just for the boot camp series. I don't think I did this last time, but um, it's interesting. How can law students best set themselves up for success? Um, I think preparation. So everything and that I talk about in all my episodes that when I'm interviewing all of my guests, that a common theme is preparation, and that's definitely it for me. So the pre-OCI that I'm talking about right now, this is preparation for OCI. But 
in your preparation, you're setting yourself up for success or at least setting yourself up to do the best that you can do. And so whether or not something works out in your favor, you know that you did, you've done all that you can do in order to have success. Um, second question, how should law students choose what extracurriculars to get involved with? This is a complicated answer in my opinion. <laughs> I think that you should do something that piques your interest, but you should also keep in mind your goals. And I say that just because the law, the legal field is very prestige Latin. And if your goal is, you know, to clerk, for example, judges are going to want to see certain things on your resume. And so this, that's like, this is a conversation for another day and probably the clerkship episode in, in particular, but you should definitely do what piques your interest, but you should also keep in mind your goals. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Third question, what is one person or one thing every law student must have? Uh, a community. So whether that be your friends, your family, your affinity group at school, Black Law Students Association, APALSA, whatever it be, a community is super important in law school because you need people who understand or even if they don't understand what you're going through, you need people who are there to support you. Um, how do you relax while in law school? I go to the gym. <laughs> um, yeah, I go to the gym. Last question is, what should everyone do before going into OCI? You should do this pre-OCI that I'm talking about. It's uber important and it could only help you in the end. Even if you don't get any interviews, like I said before, you know people at the firms and when your application comes through in that OCI process, they're going to pull you out and you'll get an interview there. So there's nothing to lose. So I think that you should do that. All right. <laughs> that brings us to the end. Thank you guys for listening. As always, follow us on Instagram and follow us on our website. If you guys have any questions, feel free to shoot me messages on Instagram, shoot me an email. I am always happy to talk. And if you want me to do any more episodes on anything, just let me know. I'd love to hear from you guys. All right. Thanks. Bye.